Well, hey there. We are Ben and Crystal Woods. Together, we lead the Brave Way Home, a discipleship ministry aimed at calling and equipping fellow wayfarers, fellow believers to deeper living with eyes fixed on Jesus and hearts set on heaven. Our hope and heart is to create space to dig deeper, walk closer, and lean into the deeper things together. So a very special welcome to you, our very first listeners of the We Are Wayfarers podcast. This is season one, episode one, and today we begin with sharing some of our story with you. And we're so grateful that you're joining us now. All right, well, hey, here we are. Season one, episode one. I am Ben. This is Crystal. We are sitting across from one another with microphones in between. I know for me, I'm really excited about this, and I'm hoping that... Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. It's an adventure. It's It's an adventure. We're learning as we go. We are embarking on something new for us. Uh, We may very well be the very last people on planet Earth to be creating a podcast of some (laughs) kind. But this is new for us. Uh, But this is something that's been stirring in us for quite some time. I know for us, it's honestly been ideas that we've dreamed about or churned over in our hearts, in our minds, trying to think through how best to serve other people with what we believe God is stirring in us. And how do we faithfully relay that? How do we radio back? How do we pass on what we believe God's teaching us, right? Some of those questions that we found ourselves thinking through is, How do we faithfully and fruitfully and humbly pour out what we believe God's pouring in? And so this podcast, the We Are Wayfarers podcast, it is birthed out of this place of practical expression of the ministry of the Brave Way Home, this discipleship ministry that almost a year ago now, not quite a year, Mm -hmm. we launched and have been leaning into with every bit of our being, right? Mm -hmm. Like going after it. And so the heartbeat, as we, as we know, and what we've said, and you'll hear us say over and over and over again, is we want to call and equip fellow wayfarers, fellow believers to deeper living. And the only way to do that is to have eyes fixed on Jesus and hearts set on heaven. Yeah. And we want to surrender every part of our being, all of our gifts, all of our passions, and even our story um, in, in obedience to that call and, and in determination to follow that calling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, wouldn't you say when we take a look at what the Brave Way Home is, uh, it's really in so many ways, not only a mission and a vision and I would say a conviction in our hearts, it serves in so many ways like an umbrella of taking our gifts and taking our passions and taking our story and making sure that every bit of all of it is surrendered for God's eternal purposes. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're stepping into. And that's in many ways what this is as we pursue kind of some steps to share episodes of what that looks like. And so for us, this is an outward expression of that inner work that we believe God's been doing in us. And so we hope that it's useful. Our prayer is that it be something that serves you. And we invite you to tag along and, and come with us. And so 
that's what we're going to be diving into. And we kind of feel like it's probably good. I know for us, this is our first episode. This is our, our first pass at trying to begin this journey with other listeners that some, they may know our story. Some, they may know some of our story, right? Some may have no idea. Um, and they're going to learn some of who we are because to us, the best place to begin, if we're talking about inviting you on this journey with us, is for you to know who you're going with. And so over the course of some of these, these conversations we're going to be having, we're going to be taking a look at where we've been and where we are and where we're going. And we want you to hear the invitation to come with. But for us, I think the best place for us to begin is just some of our story. Yeah. And I mean, I had a story, you had a story before we were Team Woods. And so... Um just a little bit about me, I guess. I grew up, um, I was born out west in South Dakota, grew up. Is it up. okay if I interrupt you from time to time? Do you usually ask permission? <laughs> <laughs> Noted. That was only okay. for that was only for you podcast yeah. listeners. <laughs> that politeness there. <laughs> I just I get excited when you tell your story. So I, I don't want you to cut any details. Oh yeah. So. Well, the exciting news is I was born in South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> Grew up in Wyoming and Colorado. Um and then when I was eleven, my parents uh uh, followed a call from God to go to India as missionaries. And so I grew up um, from when I was 11 to 15 um, on the mission field in southern India um, and then came back to Colorado to finish high school um, and and lived with relatives from the time I was 15. <laughs> and then I got um, a scholarship to go to Lincoln Christian College. This how, did, how did you get that scholarship, Crystal? I know one of the things that you're inferring is that I got a scholarship from Bible Bowl. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Bible Bowl. <laughs> Bible Bowl. Um, but somehow I ended up at, at Lincoln and I drove onto the campus for the very first time um, with all my belongings. I'd never seen it before and thought, what have I done? <laughs> it's, it's a very modest campus, you, or it was at that point. You left the mountains of Colorado. To come to the plains of Illinois. <laughs> well, and Illinois is beautiful in its own way, yes. too. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's how I ended up at Lincoln, and that is where I met Benjamin. Um, we started dating our first um, year there. But you can go ahead and tell your story about where you came from. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an Illinois boy. I grew up in central Illinois, a small farming rural community, Um loving uh, the family that God put me in. I have incredible parents, um, an incredible big sister, an incredible big brother. I am the baby. It's good to be the baby. Uh, I think it's really good to be the baby. But I grew up loving basketball. But most of my life growing up, I mean, all of my jobs were walking beans, baling hay, uh, things like that, construction, all those types of things. And I I really did not have any plans of going to Bible college. I was pretty studious. I wanted to ex excel, I would say, in academics and had other plans to go to different schools. And then uh, one week at a summer conference uh, with our youth group, because that's what you called them in the 90s. They were called youth groups. And uh, I couldn't tell you what the preacher said. Uh, I can only I couldn't tell you who it even was. I could tell you what he looked like. Uh, I could just tell you what I heard, and that was 
simply been, you've got a lot of plans. You've just not invited me into them. And that changed the course of my educational track. Um, and I came home with a commitment to go to Bible college for a year. And I did not know what would come of it, but I found myself going to Lincoln Christian College in the middle of Illinois and along the way meeting you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we started dating our first year, um, dated for a little over four years. Three and a half. Oh, three and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> And then got married in two thousand one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the one who remembers you like <laughs> the dates, and you're just like, yeah, yeah it somewhere happened around there. It happened. <clears throat> so, um, but throughout our our marriage, and even in in our dating relationship, I feel like we've learned the rhythms of how to be ministers together, of how to move on mission together. Um, whether it was through your rock band at that point, or um, when you when you were serving on staff at Youth for Christ, um, or when you were, um, well, doing campus ministry at the University of Illinois, right? Yeah. Or and then campus ministry out of a local church. I just feel like we've always just kind of approached ministry as something we do together, something our hearts are kind of running after together. Whether it was uh, it was always your like paid position, but not, um, but. That doesn't necessarily mean that I didn't feel as much a part of it. I definitely feel like our family and um, um, our children were parts of that, like an integral part of ministry. Yeah, I I, I think it's funny you mentioned paid position. <laughs> <laughs> well. I mean, like, isn't that funny? <laughs> like, think about that for a second. But no, yeah, I, I would say, wouldn't you, I, I guess I would say, no matter what the vocational expression, whatever the the ministry expression, whether it is college-age young adult ministry and spiritual formation, discipleship ministry birthed out of the local church, or it is discipleship ministry on a college campus, or sharing songs that that God has brought into our life and sharing them with people all over the country, um, that ministry has always come out of what God has blended together between the two of us. That whole piece that you're just even zeroing in on of that overflow, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When when we are in right relationship with, with Christ, when each of us are, we are best equipped for the overflow of that relationship to flow into each other in our marriage. And then we are best equipped to have a unified overflow into our children. Mm-hmm. And therefore, ministry comes from our family. And that, I think for us, yes, we, we are very passionate about being on mission together. I'm, I know I'm, I'm convinced that I'm at my best when you're at my side. So yeah, let's talk about our family for just a minute. Uh, Ben and I have three kids, three amazing, beautiful, precious kids. Our oldest is Ezra. Ezra is now 14. He is a drummer. He's a freshman in high school, um, almost done with his first year of high school. He's almost 15. Yeah. We're getting ready to enroll him in driver's ed. What? Wow. I don't know how we got to this. I I don't know (laughs) how we're this old. (laughs) But Ezra is sweet. He is a kind kid. He is an includer, and he has this, like, 
very strong sense of justice. He will stand up for anybody who's being left out or looked over or bullied in any way. Ezra is ready to stand up. Um, He's quick-witted. He's clever. He's creative. I mean, uh, yeah, I could... We're going to be able to talk about our kids all day long, couldn't we? I mean, yeah. I, I feel like with Ezra, he is just this beautiful expression of a compassionate heart, and and we see that in the everyday. Yeah, and always. he's such a good big brother. He is a good big brother, and he loves his little sisters. Um, our our center girl, we always call her our center child because middle child just was didn't didn't she didn't like the ring of that. So <laughs> our center child is Kala. Um, Kala is bright and bubbly and spunky. She makes a friend everywhere she goes. She uh, walks in and the party starts. So Kala is just um, just a joy to be around. Yeah, she brings the fun wherever she goes. Evervescent, radiant, magnetic. Those are all the words that I, I just, yeah. Yeah, and she has a heart that is just always looking for ways to make people feel special. She really, really wants to make you feel loved, seen, important. Always a plan, and that plan always includes you. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, and then our baby girl is Lila. Lila is... She just turned seven. She just turned seven. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she is just energy. She's just spunk and... and uh, Sparkle. Yeah. She's goofy. A, yeah, she's goofy. She will take um, any opportunity to make a funny face if she thinks it will make somebody laugh. She's... Yeah, she's just a goofball. I think about how how much she quotes like a YouTube clip or something like she's like a meme in so many ways, like <laughs> the way she will just like, she'll grab hold of something and then like make it her own and then start utilizing it in her conversation. And you're like, where did that come from? You know? And it's always to make you laugh yeah. always. Yeah. So. She's a little comedian, but yeah. So those are our three children and they have always been involved in ministry um, with us always been um, at every function, everything that, that um, every gathering that the ministries have had, yeah, they're, they they're are, a part of the culture. They're ministry kids, preacher's kids, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to, whatever you want to call them. And they really yeah. have embraced that well. I mean, uh, I always say Calla had more college friends than any college kid that I know. She just kind of fit in that environment and everybody has always loved our kids so well. Well, I think, wouldn't you say it's such a reminder of the tribe that you build around your children? Yeah. If you are, if you are intentional in the way that you are hoping to shape the hearts and minds of these kiddos that are entrusted to your care, the people you place them around and the people you place around them, that ministry blessing, it unfolds both ways. Mm -hmm. Like it, it just, it goes both ways. Like it gives our children heroes to look up to. Yeah. It gives them living, breathing examples of faithfulness, what 10 years up the road looks like, but also not waiting till they're that far along before they get to see an example like that. Mm -hmm. it gets to, they get to see other people pursuing Jesus other than mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think about Ezra. He was four months old when we took him on the road. Oh, that kiddo. I mean, he 
he logged what band, 80 or yeah. 90, he logged like 80 or 90 rock shows before he was born. <laughs> we had so a in car your belly. seat in the 18 passenger van. 15, 15 passengers. Passenger oh man, van. if it was 18 passengers, <laughs> we'd have had much so better. much more room to lay down. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I just think how funny that was to think of a tiny baby with these giant noise canceling headphones on his head. Um, but ever since he was born, really, he was he's been a part of it all. Where we go, we go together. Yeah. Like no matter what that looks like, it's it's always it's together. Yeah. yeah. And um, man, I've loved our life. We've had a really, really beautiful life full of lots and lots of blessings. And um, I always say, but I really mean like I have loved being wife and being mama. I have loved um, the way that God has given us these precious gifts in our family and our children. And um, some of you know already what our last few years have looked like. Um, how in the spring of 2019, um, while Ben was on a, a mission trip, Arcala had been having headaches. Um, we were digging into trying to figure out what was causing them and how to help her. And um, we ended up in the emergency room where they did a, a scan and discovered that there were multiple tumors in Kala's brain. And they asked me to call my husband and ask him to get home as soon as possible while they rushed us to our local um, children's hospital for more tests. And I was in Tinka, Romania, on the other side of the planet, when I received the phone call that I needed to get home as quickly as possible. And so immediately began taking the steps to do just that, to get home quickly, as soon as possible. And when I did, and I got to the hospital, uh, in a matter of moments, upon getting to Kala's floor, the oncology team pulled Crystal and I into those rooms where they tell you hard things. And they shared with us that because they had found things in Kala's brain that did not belong, that there would be all kinds of steps that we would have to begin sorting through what would be best. And as that unfolded, as they believed it was a that the tumors were were being caused by a brain cancer the decision was made to get kala to very specific specialists in the field of pediatric brain tumors and so over the course of those next few days Preparations began for us to be transferred to Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And our time at Norton's was really, it was hard, but it was 
they were kind and they were good and they were thorough and they were compassionate. So loving. In our college, just made friends with all of them. And I, I, I'm struck by that kind of compassion and love that they just walked into her room with. And um, I'm grateful for all those connections that she got to have um, with people who really cared about her. Um, but when we got to Cincinnati, it was it was very similar in that those doctors, those nurses, those therapists, they they loved our Kala and they were good to our family. And um, I have lots of good mom- moments and memories of um, them engaging Kala um, and her engaging them back, making them feel loved. I remember how she um, would joke with certain doctors that came in that she developed a like kind of code language of how she was going to do the neuro checks when they came in that she'd say three, two, one, and then open her eyes for them to check. Um, and, uh, we had a lot of friends come and visit us and those were special moments and those are forever things that I remember forever things that I'm grateful for. Um, and I remember, one time when we were just walking through the lobby, um, Kala was in a, a wheelchair. It was getting harder and harder for her to spend her energy. Um, but we were pushing her and I was talking to her and, and holding her hair and uh, just kind of talking to her about what people might say as they try to comfort her, as they try to come around her and um, how many people might say, that God chose to do this because, Callie, you're so strong. And I just, I want to make sure you know. And she stopped me right there and she said, Mommy, this, this is not God's fault. And just that faith that she displayed there by not blaming God, by continuing to know who her God is, that he is kind and he is close and he is good, even in hard moments. Those are just moments that I remember clearly thinking. Callan knows who her God is, and she trusts him. Moments like when we were first there, and she is tired, and she's in her bed, and I'm just sitting next to her, and she's coloring for a minute, and then she starts singing, I raise a hallelujah and that sleepy little voice and yawning in between words, but declaring in the presence of my enemies, I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. Those are moments of callous faith that are burned in my brain that are so precious because as she's pointing other people to Jesus, she's pointing me to Jesus. And that's one of the things about our Kala. Um, I just can't help but think of all of the moments given to us in the hospital where every conversation 
somehow made its way to this sweet little girl's fierce faith in her King Jesus. And we watched and we prayed as Kala kept creating conversations with doctors and nurses about Jesus. She kept creating these moments with the team that were so special. And as they began the process of learning just what exactly Kala was facing, the more we learned, we, we were learning how little we knew of what she was facing, that it wasn't something that they had seen before, that Kala's tumors were seemingly creating their own category, and that this was very rare and very aggressive. And we saw steps taken, um, treatments and, and therapy and interventions and more scans and more tests and we saw tumor shrinkage and we saw tumor growth and we saw through all of it. Kala keep fighting the good fight faithfully. Just as Crystal was saying, like, Kala became a hero of our faith. And there's countless stories along the way that I'm sure at some point we will share stories that we've just treasured up in our hearts. But we saw beautiful things unfold in the midst of pain beyond what we know how to put into words. We saw the life of the church, our home church, our local church, rally around us, the people of God, both near and far. We saw our community step into this story with us. We saw local churches from all over the country and all over the world. Messages are coming in of people praying and praying and praying alongside us, songs being written, stories being told, perspectives being changed from people choosing to pray who had not prayed in a long, long time. And somehow, some way, through Kala's pain and Kala's suffering, as they're trying to manage these symptoms. God is using her to point people's hearts back to himself, drawing people closer to himself because a brave little girl with a big, fierce faith. Box after box of present and card after card, and call after call, and people just poured out love for Kala. They came around our family in such a felt way. 
And so we have all this beauty and all this love. And still all this pain and all this hard as we're watching our daughter hurt. As we're watching her suffer. As we're watching her battle bravely through thing after thing and hurt after hurt. We prayed over Kala and we held her hand and we sang over her. We told her how much we love her again and again and again. In eight weeks after we first got to the hospital, our Kala was rescued to heaven and to home by her king. Jesus safely carried her from this world to the next. In gentleness and in love, he rescued her when no one else could. And I know that right now, our Kala is happy and healed and whole in heaven, and she is waiting along with me for the day that Jesus will return. He will set up his kingdom on earth. And he will set all things right. And we live in the in-between. We live in this place and space between Kala's rescue and our one day, someday reunion. And I know that every time we tell our story, it costs something every time we enter into this place and we share where we've walked and where we are walking in this in-between. Every time it, it, it comes out of us a little bit differently because there are so many layers and dimensions and facets woven into all of these moments where we recognize that we are a mixture of deep, deep sorrow and yet deep, deep joy because of our deep, deep love. And we recognize that even in our helplessness, that does not mean hopeless. We don't run from these moments. We run to and through this compounding grief. Grief is disorienting in so many ways, and, and I suspect, I'm certain, we are going to unpack a great deal of that in the time that we share ahead. Different perspectives, different stories, different dimensions. But for now, we recognize we are very aware that we live in this temporary separation that the end is not the end, and that a reunion will someday come. And our job, our burden, our privilege, our joy, our race, our journey, it is to run it faithfully, fruitfully, and humbly as best we know how. And so all we have known to do is lean into the promises that have pulled us forward. We have continued to anchor ourselves in the truths that we've been taught and lean into God's word 
as our hearts have been awakened for a longing for heaven like never before. And we recognize that we're not the only ones who walk this way. And so for us, we're going to lean in as best we know how. And we're going to lock arms as best we know how. And we're going to trust that the one who holds all things together will keep holding us together. And he's proven faithful in that day in and day out. However the waves and the winds come, God remains faithful and there is hard, hard things, but there are good, good things to be enjoyed in this space between. And so that's where we live and that's where we move and that's how we keep moving forward as we walk the brave way home. And we invite other fellow wayfarers to walk with us. Wayfarers, thank you for listening today. It has been our honor to share our story with you. And we invite you to join us for more episodes as we continue to lean into how we walk the brave way home. You can engage with us on social media or find us online at thebravewayhome.com. We are wayfarers, and we are so blessed to journey home alongside you. Thank you.